The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Hello, everyone, and welcome all of you intentional spirits out there. Love hearing from you during the week, loving your energy and your networking on on social media. Thank you so much for participating with us on this show today. Um, I have an incredible human being uh, walking her walk today that's here to give us some amazing ideas about her journey and how we can be in this greater recovery of of waking up. Uh, Mary Reed, welcome to the show today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Well, let's talk about one of our favorite subjects today, and that would be you. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to... uh, start out by giving history, you know, bios are wonderful and resumes, but more just, you know, from your heart, um, how did you, uh, what shape shifted you into the journey that you're, that you're on now? I love the way you said that. What's the shape shift of the journey? Um, so the title of my book is Unwitting Mystic, and that sort of says it right off the bat. Uh, this was a huge surprise to me, this whole mysticism thing. There was a time when I was perfectly normal, and uh, I had no interest in religion. I've never read the Bible. I wasn't a seeker. I didn't really have any questions. I just wanted to be kind and do interesting things in the world to help other people. And I grew up to do that as a healthcare executive eventually in Washington, D.C., based in D.C. So I was uh, doing a lot of clinical research in respiratory medicine and AIDS and then in the nonprofit sector, working in America and Asia and Africa, and I was very busy being normal. And about 18 years ago, Uh, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, I just started having these really profound mystical experiences. And uh, just to give you an idea of how profoundly knocked out of my normal world I was, the first mystical experience was going into the body and being of Jesus on the cross at the moment of crucifixion and then re-experiencing human evolution instantly in that moment, all of the nuances of how we have been evolving. And then over the course of three and a half hours, gleaning all this incredible, unspeakably big wisdom. Um, and then that that weekend in December just sort of blew open the floodgates, and then I just started having these mystical experiences um, uncontrollably over the years. And as you might imagine, uh, once you start having these really incredible experiences, and then you have to go back into your office and do your normal job, my normal world just really started to look insane because, and it didn't help that I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, but this world seemed so unnecessarily cruel and filled with conflict and quite insane, especially against the backdrop of this really beautiful, pure, easy, loving wisdom from the divine realms. So 
so I really started to struggle fantastically over the years, and I started seeking help in all of my worldly travels, um, just trying to process what is happening to me and why are these things happening to me. But bigger than that, what do I do with this? Because I didn't have any context, because I don't have a religious background. And so I saw more than 40 practitioners around the world, therapists and more therapists and doctors and shamans and Reiki practitioners and acupuncturists and back to the therapist, and no one at all could help me. And eventually, after more than a decade of that struggle, trying to hold my two worlds in balance, um, my normal world fell apart. There, the bottom just completely dropped out while all of this spiritual stuff was really pushing harder on my psyche. So it finally just tipped my world upside down completely, and that culminated in a serious suicide attempt in March of 2011. And then when that failed, two days later when I woke up, um, I still woke up in the same two worlds that I went to sleep in that I didn't know what to do. So I finally, then, it was March 25th of 2011, I just quit. I just surrendered in the most supreme way possible. And I just, I remember distinctly saying, you know, God, you can see I have no idea what I'm doing. So if there's something that you all need me to do, then somebody else is going to have to lead the way. I can't be the project manager for my life anymore. And then immediately in that purely surrendered state, all of the doors just started flying open to this mystical journey. And within six months of that suicide attempt, I was perfectly fine, and I was invited to India to meet with His Holiness the Karmapa, um, a high Tibetan Lama, to talk about my experiences. And then I ended up living in a Buddhist nunnery in the Himalayas in India, of all things. So the basis of that journey, the details of that, are um, what my book is about, that, that journey. And so I only came out publicly as a mystic and started to be able to speak about things when I released my book. And in the first couple of years, all I knew how to say was simply these things happened, and I just let people sort of take it from there. I would just describe the experiences a little bit and then just let people resonate with that truth. And now um, it's been a couple of years, and now I'm able to finally talk about what all of that wisdom is and how it applies to what's happening and unfolding in our world at this you know, quite significant time. So this is where I'm at now, like on the tours this year, um, this is what I'm talking about. And normally um, I stay in India through the retreat periods and then I come out and I tour in the U.S. So this is what I'm doing. I'm nearing the end of this year's tour. Hello? I'm just talking away realizing I had my mute button on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that is one of the most fascinating uh walks I believe that I have heard in a long time. What a life. That is yeah. really it's really something. It's just I mean to move from the area that you are in and doing clinical research and healthcare and to a place of this it's just different than it's not like you you know, started being a follower of Louise Hay and going to every Wayne Dyer workshop and, right. you know, listening to some of us, uh, brilliant new thought ministers <laughs> <laughs> with a big old laugh in the end, which is intentional. And, um, you know, all of that, uh, sitting in a chair and going, yeah, I get this. I mean, the way you were found, I mean, talk about the download of you are here to be who you are. I love that. Is it Mark Twain that, that says there are two reasons 
uh, why a person is is born. Uh, one is no. There's two important days in a person's life. There we go. And one is the day they were born, and the other is knowing why. Yep. The and, day they understand. Wow. Why, right. And you you yeah. certainly are understanding the the why part. Yeah, and so in, in all of know, that, I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are people that go to retreats all over the world and um, and go to workshops all over the world and and spend an incredible amount of money on various kind of tables from from crystals to you know Reiki to energy healer or whatever, wanting to have this moment, this one moment of this uh, awakening or enlightenment, and and here you are like. Okay, you know what <laughs> has happened. I mean, it it. I know we can't compare because uh, we're all in, an individuation of something greater than ourselves. But when you when you look at other people longing to have had anything close to what you have in this way, as far as the opening, um, how, how do how do you feel about that? Uh, do you sometimes, yeah, are you still in shock? Do you sit with it? Are you wearing it comfortably? Um, that's a big thing. Uh, it is a know. big thing. And I get a lot of, I have to be very careful in my talks and retreats um, because some people just come right in the door seeking what I have. And um, so then they're mm-hmm. disappointed if they, you know, like I've had people in India, you know, who've been meditating since the age of two or three and uh, they're now in their 60s or 70s saying, what's your shortcut? Like, I haven't, I haven't ever experienced anything, and I've been doing this, you know, I've been checking all the boxes all these years, and I'm still not there. Um, so a couple of things I want to say on that. One is um, the reason why I can have these really profound, most of my experiences, now this has been almost 18 years, most of my experiences um, are related to the origins of something related to life. So the origins of existence, the origins of fear, the origins of Christianity, of Buddhism, of thought, etc., etc. The reason why I can have those really profound origin-related experiences is because I have no filter. I don't have any expectation of what's true, um, what to believe, what information should be coming through. I don't have any of those filters because I've never read any doctrine, and I still don't specifically, so I can keep my field very, very pure. And so that was just the way that I came in, knowing that this was going to be my purpose in this lifetime, was to be, embody this message purely. And so I have the whole continuum because it's a very pure field. But other people, when they come into this experience, that wasn't their intention when they came in. They came in to explore through particular lenses. And so for them, the exploration through this teacher or this doctrine or this perspective or whatever is part of their greater joy, whether they can realize that in the moment or not. For them, their journey was intentionally designed to be more sort of full-bodied through that exploratory process to embody the exploration in that way here. And that simply wasn't my journey. So for most of us, we just come, eventually, you know, I would say a lot of people definitely do come into these mystical experiences and usually unexpectedly. It usually happens in a moment that they're least expecting it. Um, And then others, I think that there's a lot of people that are kind of 
preventing themselves from having these experiences, and I call this the pushing on the door that says pull, um, because they're really wanting that expectation of uh, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet, I'm doing everything, why isn't this happening, why isn't this happening, is actually keeping it from happening. So a relaxing into the allowing state is where where I think a lot of people in my talks and retreats finally get that open door, um, and even if it's not through me, in other circumstances. And I'm sure you've heard this many times. People get it in a moment where they're completely, they're like brushing their teeth or something, and then something just profoundly happens. I... I I totally I, I totally get that and I, I I see exactly what you're saying I I know that um, I've studied um, the shamanic path for many many years and my I, my teacher said you know uh, one of the ways to truly know that you're a chosen shamanic practitioner um, is that you'll be gifted a song and. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I have songs going on in my mind all the time. I've written oh, a number of songs and and mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. But I, I I was like, well, where's my song? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And well, I've been coming here now, you know, going on ten years. Okay, and where is that song? You know, and and it is exactly, you know, what you said that it's like. I went, well, maybe it's just not my path to have a song. I'll be songless. And um, and then it came to me, you know, in, in a time that there was no thought about it or, or yes. anything else. But that is so true. It's, it's, it's letting go of that attachment to something being a certain way or, or mm-hmm. happening a certain way. Well, in, in the way of you recognizing that you had gone on these interesting journeys and these things had occurred, um, was it difficult for you to grow into that body of who you are? Not the physical, but the, the greater essence? Yeah, in the beginning, I didn't, like in the first 10 years, I still didn't, I still still didn't understand that that's what I was supposed to do. I was, uh, because I was still trying to be normal and I needed, you know, I had the typical executive life. I had a big condo, I had a mortgage and car and all these responsibilities and a reputation and, you know, I was, I was doing healing of the world in a very different way, working in Africa and, you know, with lots of people that were in, in stages of life and various things. So I had this idea that I was being very, important in my work and whatever so I didn't understand that growing into that was what was supposed to be happening so when I finally was able to magnificently surrender and then I ended up living in the nunnery in the Himalayas it was only then that I finally just let everything sort of live me and I was just in the unfolding Um, it's, it's the difference between moving towards something and moving within something and I was finally realizing that I'm moving within who I already am and letting that process really unfold and it just it is a process that's really beautiful I know that you know we have a tendency because of our frustrations and our judgments of the world to want to rush through this kind of thing and in a doing kind of consciousness that's what we think we're supposed to do that we're supposed to we're successful if we can achieve a certain um, amount of things or a certain place or whatever. But in the being, it's quite different. It's the exploration of all that's unfolding as well as 
all that has already unfolded. So we can see the perspective of life from a much fuller sort of 360 view. I'm often, you know, people often ask me about the mystery that's on the other side of the veil. But the greater mystery that's unfolded when we get the mystical perspective is what's been unfolding on this side of the veil. And it is so beautiful. It's so incredibly intricate intricate and um, just miraculous when you can see it from that greater perspective. And so this was the growing into that, being that mystical presence, that just, you know, the I am presence fully, and living that it took it i mean it's this is the journey we're still on we're all of us on but it took me a long time to understand that that's what was happening i would probably say it was in maybe about my fourth year um in the nunnery where that was like dawning on me that this is the whole point is just being in and as this whatever this is this moment That's incredible. To and how often you go away? You said for retreat. Is that always a given every year? A particular time? A reason behind the time? Um, well, usually it's changing now because I feel like India is holding a different place for me. Originally, it was what I would call my home. It's the place where. I'm rooted. This is where my office is, if you will. And I spend an inordinate amount of time in silence and contemplation and prayer and meditation. Um, and and then I would sort of be gathering more and more and more events, uh, mystical experiences, and then having things to share with other people. And then I would leave during monsoon season, which is three months, and then I would come and tour in the U.S. or Europe or other places and then share the information. And then I would be... I would really need then my downtime to kind of recover from that and then retreat some more, gather some more information and come out again. But this time what's been happening, I'm, I've actually been in the States this time for a year and uh, I wintered in Michigan um, with some friends last year just to do a lot of writing, but also to adjust to the energies that are going on right here because this has been an incredibly chaotic kind of field to be in and to share information in. So letting myself adjust to all that's going on here and be able to uh, share my message effectively within that and um, kind of usher in a new kind of presence here. So I'll be going back to India after I finish this round. But India, I don't think, is going to have the same... I mean, I, I don't want to have too many assumptions about it, but it feels to me like India is now just a place for me to kind of rest and recoup and then come back out again as opposed to where I'm doing the work. I think now the work is more um, in the sharing, but I don't know. That's just how it sort of feels to me at this point. Sure. And of what is your sense from uh, all the energies and, and how things are going lately in the States? What... What is your, you know, your personal assessment of that? Oh, I think it's an incredibly powerful and um, important time that we're in. I should say, in all of my 18 years, everything I have ever seen has been profoundly beautiful. And this, you know, watching our evolution unfold 
from literally like a my my site I should probably mention this my site is everything from subatomic to cosmic and everything in between and so watching this evolution from literally the energetic uh, perspective here in the present moment but also from a planetary standpoint has been absolutely fascinating and you I'm sure that you would agree in the last two years and last year in particular 2017 the United States felt very much like a nation in PTSD and there was a lot of fracturing going on in personal relationships and homes and businesses and communities and certainly in politics and religion and everywhere that we previously would have found sort of normal, safe ground. And in that fracturing, all of this stuff has risen up in our awareness that didn't just start. It's always been here. And now it has come up in our awareness to be included in this magnificent time of transformative healing that's going on. And in my talks and in my retreats, I walk people through the process of how that's happening and how we can even realize that this is going on because any of us from any walk of life can see that we have been, you know, you can just look at the last 100, 150 years, you can see all of these things that are beginning to fall away that were constructed in ideologies of fear and conflict. And these things like the expectations and the rules and the roles around gender and race and religion and caste, all these unequal, oppressive, separating categories of life, the boundaries are starting to fall away. And at the same time, we see all of the rising up of the indicators of divine love coming back into our awareness now, these incredible movements towards equality and freedom to be who we are as we are and movements towards um, unconditional acceptance and unity. And these are all the indicators of divine love. And so it's no surprise that as we have a rising up in the qualities and the presence of divine love here, that all of this stuff from deep within humanity is going to rise up to be included in that transformative healing. And this is the process that we're smack dab in the middle of it right now. And I always like to remind people, you know, this is the going through process. This is the not not the stuck in process. And we get wrapped up in the feeling like, you know, this is this is so bad right now, but we're not stuck here. We're just going through here. Yeah, I love that distinction. That's a very powerful one. And I, I agree with you. I, I feel like this is like the most exciting time that mm-hmm. we've ever lived. Um, there's so much shaking up going on. You know, there's so uh, many energies that are changing all around us. And and it's like the the non-truths can no longer live. You know, they're, That's right. they're, they're just becoming... Um, uh, that they're, well, they're just not possible, you know, that when they're That's on the right. table they or they're out in the, mm-hmm. the, the surface or they're making their public display, they're not making it long. They're, they're fizzling mm-hmm. out, one would say. I, I love well, what you we, have on if, your on your website, and I want to remind everybody to go to uh, Mary's website, unwittingmystic.com, and read all about her, and she has blogs and just a wealth of great information from heart and mind but i love the writing that you have of hafiz every child has known god not the god of names not the god of don'ts not the god who ever does anything weird 
but the God who knows only four words and keeps repeating them saying, come dance with me. Come, come dance. dance with I me. love that. That is mm-hmm. just, uh, I've read a lot of Hafiz's work, but that's over the top. That is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aren't we blessed to have him and Rumi and others? Mm. So much so. Us. And the Marys and so many other people and on the, the temples, planet that are and, yeah. spe- speaking <laughs> their truth. Yes, ab- ab- absolutely. Um your book, when did you uh, get immersed in that, and um, why was it important to you to write it? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Um, it was, you know, the hardest part, I'm sure, that you've, when you've talked to others, had these experiences, or if you've had them yourselves, the, the hardest part is speaking about what happened, because these things are always, first of all, they're so expansive the moment we try to give a word to it, then we've negated about 99% of what what is there. Um, And my experiences in particular take place in what's commonly known as the realms beyond words. But at the same time, I want to talk about it. I feel a a compulsion to share, and I've been told that, you know, I am to share this. So finding, first of all, the words, and then secondly, the putting together of the words, and then the conveying of those words. It's a process. And I felt like I had, when I first moved to India, I started a blog to just begin to start coming out, to tell people, you know, uh, my experiences. And it was a big, big, big shift for (laughs) my circle of friends to think that I moved, of all places, to India, Uh, which, by the way, I never, I I traveled the world and had no interest in going to India whatsoever because I thought it was too spiritually weird and I didn't want any of that woo-woo-ness. And then when I surrendered, that's exactly where I went. But anyway, in that, when I started my blog... (laughs) You know, your your dance is so funny and I I don't want to cut you short, but we're going to be going for a for a short break because the second segment of our in time together is going to be about about your book but i i know that those people that are listening that they want to go to most programs and evolve and figure this out and everything it, it's just um you're giving us such a fun time today <laughs> good that's why i didn't want to go to india and be around those spiritual weird people and <laughs> it's true I know it is. I know it is. Such an incredible journey, and we're going to talk more about it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll be right back after this short break. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. 
Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, oh, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God as loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see so you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore and other legendary Unity teachers with Reverend Bob Brock and Unity Classic Radio. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, Bob shares original radio transcripts from the Unity archives with truth students worldwide. Explore these timeless teachings and learn how to apply them to your life today. Listen live or on demand. You can also connect with Reverend Bob on his Unity in Action Facebook page. Tune in every Tuesday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and absolutely, we'd love for you to call in. It's one of our greatest moments. We love interacting with others and having you ask your questions and uh, state your truth. Um, Like the advertisement said, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. So we have uh, Mary Reed with us today, an unwitting mystic. Uh, her website is unwittingmystic.com. Um, knowing that you enjoy these types of conversations, first of all, we enjoy, we appreciate it that you share our our radio show with other people. It's because of you that people are listening all over the world. We love that you share and promote and uh, sponsor Unity Online Radio. Uh, you can always go to templehaze.com or firstunity.org to find out the various things that we're about or to listen to other activities and experiences and classes that we've been doing here. 
Mary, before our break, we were were talking about your your book that obviously uh, was quite an undertaking for you to delve into, and we kind of finished on the fact that you, though you traveled all over, you were never interested in going to India because there were all these spiritual odd people that live there, and <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what we left off with. But speaking of travel. You're right now on a tour, um, so let's uh, tell people where you are and also uh, just some other things about your work. Okay, um, so I'm nearing the end of my tour. I'm actually in Portsmouth, New Hampshire here. I've been really blessed to enjoy New England in the peak color season. I was in uh, Unity of Greater Portland in Maine and then um, over in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, um, at um, sacred shared space there, and I'm, I'm this evening at a private home here. And then I'm heading down to um, the Philadelphia area. I'll be in Morristown, New Jersey on um, Sunday, giving the morning message at Center for Conscious Living and then a workshop after that. So if folks are in that area, I would love for them to come see me. And then I'll be down in the uh, Washington, Virginia, Maryland area. I'll be doing a one-day retreat, a really great one-day retreat in Barnesville, Maryland, on a beautiful 14-acre farm there. That um, This land is the former retreat site for a Buddhist community there, so a lot of lamas have come in to anchor some great energy in that space, and folks are welcome to um, come join us for that. And then I'll be over in uh, the Louisville, Kentucky area in Indiana doing two retreats there in the first week of November and also at Unity of Louisville um, there and then over to Los Angeles and up to Marin County with Open Circle Group there in November. So I've got about um, six or seven more events that people can um, jump in on for this year. And then if they're interested in um, hosting me for something next year or inviting me to their community, they can just be in touch through my website and um, see what we might be able to do for next year. Because I don't have a home anywhere in the world, um, I really get my sense of rootedness and community from the places that invite me in. So I'm really so happy to visit new communities, um, come back. I'm always welcome back to the places that I've already been. And I have a growing family all around the country, so I'm always very excited to get new invitations. I love that. And speaking of invitations, we want to give a, 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 a shout-out to Kim Summers, who actually brought us together and yes. just give her a great great hug of appreciation. Now, I always like to value and appreciate people, especially people that, um, you know, that give to the show, that uh, recommend great people like you. And um, thank you, Kim, for that. Yeah, and actually I met Kim in the Louisville area last year. She came to a retreat that mm-hmm. I did and a talk. So I'm hoping to see her again this year. Oh, I'm sure that you will. We'll name it and claim it. That's for sure. So we've been <laughs> uh, we've been waiting to hear with much anticipation. You know, us spiritual people who look forward to something <laughs> very much want to hear about the process in your book. Um, yeah. So I, I was saying before about just the difficulty in finding the words, and it because these events were so enormous. Uh, over the years, I kept trying to write about them. I would document when each one happened just so I could kind of remember some of the details. But that was very different than writing about what was happening. And every time I would go to really write genuinely about it, 
I would just feel like I was choking, that, that I was really trying to choke the words out. And I could have moments that would come out in the blog uh, quite easily, but other than that, they just weren't coming. And finally, um, I was I was really in a, a tough spot, and I finally just remembered that I'm supposed to just surrender. And I remember I was at, visiting my sister uh, at the time, and uh, I, I was like, okay, this is the process. I just allow, and everything is fine. And I was sitting in a meditation, and... Uh, I had a memory pop up in my mind in which I'd had a vision of uh, Mother Teresa, Buddha, and Jesus walking past me. And they each said, we only did what we knew. We only did what we knew. And in the moment, I had no idea what that meant. Like, what does that mean? And But in that moment... I knew specifically that they were talking about my book and what to say. And it instantly I knew that all I had to say was what happened. I don't have to talk in big terms about what all the wisdom is and how it applies to everything. I just need to say what happened. And as soon as I found that point, then I couldn't hold the words back. They were just flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. And I wrote my book very, very quickly. And then I got sponsored to um, go back to the nunnery and finish my book there and all kinds of magical things happened there and 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 then it was just easy i had a a man a a friend of mine who was in contact to say can i help you format the book can i help you um, do this or whatever so he did all of the digital formatting he did everything for the self-publishing and it was just it unfolded magically from that point and the book has been extremely well received and i i can only take credit for the willingness to write it the words just sort of wrote themselves and there seems to be a lot of power and momentum in uh, what's conveyed with people. People seem to have quite a profound response to it. And uh, and actually, my book is now being made into a feature film. It's in the, the screenplay stage, and the screenplay just went into the second round of competition at the Austin Film Festival this year. Um, I didn't make it into the top 2%, but we made it very high. I was really, really excited about that. So we're in the early stages of that adventure as well. So I just say for people that are you know have these experiences and feel compelled um, to write about them, to just you know be patient with the process and really trust that allowing, um, and the the beauty will come forth in you being able to sort of get that out of your system, and then the sharing is really going to affect a lot of people positively. And what would you say, um, Mary, are are some of the things you've learned to to know for sure or to feel inside yourself? Um, as as clarity or as a as a way of being purpose driven, uh, since all of this uh, these moments of awakening have occurred in your life, you know um, that's a great question, and I am I think one of the the things that's hardest for people to grasp is this idea of exactly what being the presence of love is as opposed to doing i mentioned earlier that we're in a doing consciousness and this is the way that we feel adequate about ourselves and we feel confident in who we are by what we do which is very different than what we be and um 
in the being the presence of divine love, which is what we're being called into now, this is what this integrative time is, is learning to be. Remember, not even learning, but remembering to be that which we are, which is our true nature as divine love. But understanding what that really is. People talk a lot about love, this love and that love, but they don't actually know what true love really is. And so in my talks, I I go right to the heart of you know, this idea that um, people say love is all you need, love is all there is, but if that's true, then why hasn't love ever been enough to make our suffering go away? And so there has to be something more to it. And it's coming into this understanding of the, the version of love that we think we're trying to be is actually a version of rejection because we're not really wanting to heal all of those things on the bad side of the good trumps bad equation. We're wanting those things to go away, and that's a form of rejection as opposed to full acceptance. So helping people understand what the presence of divine love really is, is being a presence of awareness that allows everything to be in a state of equality and a state of full freedom to be as it is, a full state of unconditional acceptance and a state of unity. And these were the qualities of divine love I mentioned earlier. So it really is about the inquiry of willingness, especially when things are hard. Am I willing to be a presence of divine love. And in the times where it's easy, well, yeah, sure, I'm happy to do that. But then the moment that there's, you know, something challenging, especially out in the world and the bigger issues, our answer is hell no. And so owning, like, these places where we truly aren't willing to just be that presence of divine love, we want that love to be different. And so this is this is a very helpful process. This is actually what I take people through in my retreats is getting through those blocks into a true state of understanding where we are willing and where we're not. And it's, it's so incredible. Just those two little words, isn't it? B Mm -hmm. it's, it's really something. Um, of my, um, shaman teacher who, who passed last year, that, that would be uh, her final statement is that if I could have just accepted that sooner, that all I really have to do is be, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, she was like, that was it, you know, the willingness yes, to, and in to our, be. We just don't know what that is, know? do we? Yeah, it's like, what does that mean? We, we, we really have trouble understanding what that is because your mind doesn't get it. Your heart totally gets it, but your mind has no idea what that is, and we're so mind-driven that we try to put it in, in a logical framework. This is part of the, the challenge of the, the ways that spirituality has worked historically is that we seek some information from doctrine or gurus or teachers or whatever, and they give us a little piece of information that we then put into a mental framework to figure out what we have to do in order to be worthy of the state of oneness that we're seeking or God's love or whatever it is, as opposed to simply being that state already. And this is, I talk a lot about in our integration now into a unitive consciousness, this is something that we are going to realize 
this, these um, systems of learning are going to start to shift in the spiritual sense as well as any other sense because these were things that we learned in a way that helped us in a third-dimensional reality. But now we're coming into an integrative reality, and those ways don't hold up anymore. So it's all shifting wonderfully. I, I love the statement, united we stand and divided we're merely a distraction, and that's actually a, a quote of mine uh, from another time and another reality. But, you know, you were talking about that while ago, that if people could just really understand when you add to the fuel of being divided, you know, and you keep aligning with the fact that there is such a division and your house, your inner house is divided as well, that is not bringing the presence of pure being and mm-hmm. and holding a space that's greater. And it's so complex for, for people to understand that. It doesn't mean you're, because they'll go, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to just do nothing? No. Holding the presence of your being is like a big something. It's like a big deal, <laughs> you know. It so is a big deal. And what's happening with, uh, in my own uh, feelings, is you know what it, what is happening in the in the spiritual communities and the new thought communities and the in the healthy mindedness communities and stuff like that. Is all of this is also forcing us to get extremely congruent with what we're saying. You know, mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. more lined up with what are we, what are we standing for? Um, because of all things, you know, I've, I've seen some, you know, post on Facebook and you'd say, you know, well, we're holding prayers around that. Well, I'm tired of, you know, I've literally seen people write, I'm so tired of hearing that people are praying for something. You got to do something. <laughs> Oh, I thought prayer was doing something. <laughs> you right. know, um, well, this is the fascinating. I'm, I'm just finding it fascinating. You're not, and I'm not, you know, sitting on a mountain being self-righteous. I'm, I too am part of this essence of really looking at. I mean, I'm so tuned in now to every word that is coming out of my mouth. To mm-hmm. what am I setting as an example? And uh, you know. Um, as leaders, this is not a time for us to join the join the the masses and talk about how weary we are or confused. At least, I not for me. That's not the choir I'm going to be joining. But it it really does. It it brings you down to your core of wait a minute, and and even talking to you that I'm I'm deepening that energy of that is that often people will will exactly say, what do you mean be? I, I, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. It's like, well, being is doing something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I have, I have two things I want to say on that. The first is this idea of, you know, we need to do something. There's this suffering case or this suffering system or whatever. If it brings people joy to do something about this thing that they're seeing in the world, then by all means, get engaged. But there's also the cause of this thing. And so there's all the continuum of the contributions to what we're seeing of this issue or that issue. If it brings you joy to work at this level, the expression of this issue, 
then by all means do it. If it gives you joy to work at the cause of this issue, which is what we would would think, uh, then by all means do it. This is my work. Um, and so there's there's different ways to sort of be in the joy of doing. But it's the 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 in, as your show is called the intentional spirits, the intention behind what you're doing. And so the intention of healing versus the intention of trying to make something go away. Those are two different approaches to the being of what you're getting ready to do. You're being in as you're doing. So there's, that's the first thing. But then the second thing is this idea of when we say that we're being something, we think that we're just this little small insignificant thing. And we don't, and a lot of spiritual, I've seen a lot of spiritual leaders not walking the walk and uh they're they they know the talk really well but they're they still hold themselves in this very sort of insecure and inadequate and overwhelmed kind of state because they themselves don't believe that they are big they don't believe that they are oneness they don't believe that they are that awareness and it's i can i can tell you how i relate to this there was an um an experience that i had years ago in which i had been swept up into the arms of Jesus, and he and I are at the Mount of Beatitudes. Now, I haven't read the Bible, so I don't have any idea what was talked about there, but I am in and as Jesus at the Mount of Beatitudes. And in this moment, there's a whole group of people that are starting to walk down the hill, and in this moment, I, as Jesus, am well aware that none of these people took in my words to live as their own. Instead, they revered me for having said the words. So in that regard, they separated themselves from me. But Jesus' intention was to be that Christ presence within each of these people to illuminate the Christ presence within them that's already there. So he was intending to be a part of people, but instead they set him apart from them because they didn't believe that they were worthy or that they were big. And this is what I see a lot is that uh, people are talking about it but not really understanding that they are it. So in the being of this, we're called to be our full selves. We're called to be that Christ here through us, that Buddha here through us, that angelic light here through us. And we are called to rise to that knowing now. You just you just said like a statement that's like a ought to be a marquee across the sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It, it's it's so true. true that you know of 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 settling for not being aware of uh, the mightiness of our our connection. Uh, the presence, the power, the what is available to us and around us and through us, and and really modeling that it it can be um, often shocking in out in the field. One would say um, because we we owe it to ourselves to to be to be better and to shine more, uh, especially uh, in a conversation. That's that's what we are promoting to others. <laughs> Right, sure. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which I think for, yeah. for those of us who lead others or gather others, it's an important thing for us to, to check in and, you know, are we listening to ourselves? Are we being in the way that we're called um, to lead others to be as well? And uh, I think that's very helpful. We are our own students along the way as well. 
No doubt about it. Well, you have and continue to be meeting people all over the world. Uh, what are a couple of your aha moments that you've witnessed other people having or because of your relationship with them that something has transpired uh, with the synergy that you you have collectively? Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting. Um as I said earlier through my book, there seems to be something powerful within those words that helps. I get a lot of feedback on the book about people having um, – a lot of people say they have this big uh, heart blast, like a, like a heart explosion, heart opening. And I've heard people um, tell me that that's happened when they've watched videos or uh, been present live or whatever. But specifically in my retreats um, – I have a particular exercise that I take people through in uh, just letting go of all that's in their mind. I give them a physical tool um, to be able to sort of breathe out all that's in their mind and rest in their heart space. And then I I put people in um, a meditation for a while and have them meditate with this just being in the heart. And then I put people in a a pairing exercise to do um, a seeing and a feeling um, uh, verbal experience with each other just through the heart. And in that, many times I have heard people, many times people say, for the first time ever I have seen God, or uh, they've had experiences of the oneness field through that exercise, or they've had a, a complete release of something that they've had as a physical issue all of their lives or different things. So for whatever reason, these tools that have been given to me um, passing along, they seem to be quite effective and just in the energy of the words and sharing my truth, um, which is all I'm supposed to do is share my truth. Uh, there seems to be some kind of thing that's resonating deep within people, and that's what I do in the retreats. Is that I, I don't I, I begin my retreats now with um, something that Father Richard Rohr said, which is information is not the same as transformation. And so I what I do is I give some information that. Uh, slowly, slowly is um, part of the moving process as a transformation with people. And so I slowly lead people through the remembrance of their entire existence, from the origins of existence to the exploration of the mechanism of creation to the fear foundations we live in to breaking the cycle of suffering to coming into the unit of consciousness through only through metaphysical experience and through that people can just you know rest in that space with me and then they have this transformation within them happening that's the whole point is for it to be a transformative experience a transformative remembrance and what is what would you say is with the the period of time that you've been out doing this um is there like a you know in my uh emails I have like a place where I have tucked away you know some of the emails through the years and on that rainy day I love to peek in and read some of those like okay yeah keep keep doing you know keep being keep doing keep <laughs> living you know oh wow yeah, yeah it's important uh, do you have a story you could tell us related to that um you know there it's hard to choose um, you know, people will, I mean, I have a lot of people just, you know, writing to say, I don't know what happened, but I was listening to you on Zoom in a thing that you were doing, and suddenly 
I was just transported into the cosmos as oneness, and my heart just felt like it exploded when this happened. And so I've probably had okay, that would be the know, story, Mary, that I would be talking of, about. <laughs> yeah, so those you are humble. probably two hundred so of those humble. in the last few years. So uh, it's quite, and I again, I can't take any credit for it. It's just there's no. something that they're resonating with in hearing those experiences there's a remembrance that they're like yeah and it feels different than a doctrinal based um you know kind of lesson if you will that's that i think that's the big difference i'm not coming from a doctrinal studied kind of place i'm just saying this is the experience that i had and the wisdom that i've gleaned from this and there's a, a kind of remembrance that comes from that and that's that's happened even in you know the pews of a roman catholic church or you know whatever because People just know that there's something different than what's coming from the pulpit or um, this doctrine or whatever. They want a they want a visceral experience of remembrance. That's what their being is seeking. Is that resonance, and uh, that's what I offer through sharing my experiences. And one of the things that I'm hearing you say is that people are no longer interested in the talking down model, but that's more right. the p- talking with model. Yeah, this and is, this I, is that's true for new thought too. I mean, yeah, this, this seniority kind of, I know more than you and I'm trying to talk at a depth that you are and this kind of stuff. That's just absolutely mumbo jumbo. Wow, well, I could just keep talking to you, but it doesn't sound like the music is going to let us go to yet unwitting uh, mystic.com and find out more about Mary Reed and check in with me anytime at templehazerfirstunited.org. God bless you, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.